from the Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce. This is In Conversation With. Supported by Westcott's Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Presented by Stuart Alford and produced by Fresh Air Studios Plymouth. Hello there, I'm Stuart Elford, Chief Executive of Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce with another edition of my In Conversation With podcast where we interview interesting, well hopefully interesting, I'm sure she will be, guests from around the region and today I'm really absolutely delighted to be joined in the studio by a first for me actually, the partner of someone I've already interviewed so please welcome Felicity Cornelius Mercer. Thank you. Welcome. So yes, you were famously married, I think famously, to Johnny Mercer MP. Infamously. Um, who was one of my first podcast guests, he gave a great interview where he admitted to being in a shower scene commercial for a famous soap brand. So no pressure. What are you going to admit to in our <laughs> podcast? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I'm going to have to be careful what I say, aren't I? Those scary questions are going to come thick and fast, Stuart. No, I'm not Jeremy Paxman. We're not here to catch you out. And I don't know about that. Well, I do have we'll... a confession, actually. Go on, then. And it's also an indictment that I am now actually old. Now I'm in my 40s. When I get some time off, as in I'm a mum of three, I mean 20 minutes off, do you know what I do? I, I go to the nearest coffee shop, buy a coffee, go and sit in my car and catch up with the latest episode of The Archers. That's my confession. My parents used to do that. I never thought I would do it. But that's me now. Me oh and The Archers. I, know. I mean, that is truly ancient. I know. Do you know, I don't think I've ever listened to a single episode. Seeing as you've mentioned confessions, I have dug up some real dirt on you. I'm so sorry Uh-oh. to do this. It's such a horrendous... Am going to have to run away? It's a horrendous subject, and I'm sorry, but you have publicly admitted that you're a fan of Spurs. I am. I'm not even sorry, Stuart. I'm not sorry. (laughs) Spurs, why not the mighty Argyle, especially as they're doing so well? Yeah, but this is historical. I wasn't born in Plymouth. My mum went to university in Plymouth, so me and my mum have swapped. Yes, because I wasn't born down here, you see. Because you went to Malvern College, didn't you? Yes, up in the West Midlands. I started life in Sussex. You don't sound like a brummy. No. Well, I only went to school there. (laughs) Was it a good school? It was a lovely school in the Malvern Hills. It was cold and they did like to make us do cross-country runs up the Malvern Hills, which was very good for us, but we moaned about it at the time. It was a lovely school. I had a great time. But yes, I wasn't born in Plymouth, so I'm afraid, although I will always spot our girl now, it wasn't my first club. Sorry. Yeah, go Pilgrims. All right, well, I suppose, seeing as you also support Argyle, we'll forgive you. Thank you. I suppose the other thing you're famous for, I guess, is being... Infamous. Can we get the right word, please? All right, I'll do infamous. I don't (laughs) mind. You're an avid Twitter user and the master of the roast reply. And I always say to people, genuinely, I do. I mean, half of your followers are because I've recommended you, I promise. Because (laughs) I say you're Devon's answer to James Blunt in that you manage to take things with humour and some of your put-downs are just great. But it must be hard to do that sometimes. Because some of the stuff on there is very personal, isn't it? It is. And you do have to take a minute. Because you know when you read something, either about yourself or your husband, or even someone you're just very fond of, it could be in, and it makes you so cross that your fingers tingle. You know, you, literally your yeah. blood can boil. So you have to be very careful to never do anything in that moment. Because otherwise, that's when you make a mistake and you say something stupid and you rise to something stupid. And I'm very hot-headed. Anyone who knows me will know that, you know, I have opinions. And, but I would never seek to be unkind to anyone, as in no. attack anyone. No. So I'd like to think that all of my stuff, bar perhaps the Liz Trust tweet, I'll take that on the chin, all of my stuff has been a sort of reactionary and defending who we are against people who don't actually know us. So I have to be very careful not to do anything in the heat of the moment. Everything it has to be 
thought out with a calm head. I was going to ask you about that because people have attacked Johnny and it must be very, very hard to see your partner attacked. I guess he signed up for it in some ways. but Yeah, um, it's a grey area, that one. Yeah, I'm not saying that makes you appropriate for attack, but I'm just saying up to a point. Well, it is appropriate for criticism because, of course, as an elected representative, he is open to criticism and he's opening to accept that and taking it on the chin and changing the way he does things or whatever. I mean, that's absolutely fine. The problem with social media, as we all know, it goes far beyond constructive criticism into abuse. Yeah, um, it does. Didn't a national newspaper question his mental health, talk about his mental health? That, What's that got to do with anyone? Well, exactly. And the thing is with mental health, I think we've seen that recently, is that that's each person's story to tell. So it's up to really that person whether they want to get it out there or not. Johnny's OK because he's made that decision already to tell everyone about his mental health and his OCD. So he's already been upfront about it. And I suppose that's why some newspapers think that it's OK to bring it up. But it would be very challenging if it wasn't something that you'd wanted out there. But yeah, he's OK with that. If it helps somebody else, he says, then that's absolutely fine. Well, you're pretty good at taking the mick out of Johnny. Oh, you? yeah. So I I've mean, husband you... trolling's a thing. Who well, knew? You, you've made it a thing, I think. <laughs> um, you know, I've seen you post photos of him asleep, sort of yes. drooling on the settee yeah, and stuff absolutely. like this. You've managed to strike a really good balance, I personally think, of being a great partner and supports him with being very much your own person. You said, you know, you, you're a woman with opinions. How dare you? I know, you? I know. It's shocking. 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 So shocking. So, so in the 21st century. <laughs> but do you run stuff by him or do you just think, ah, well, he'll be okay with this? It's a great question because I think that's where a lot of my critics come from that angle. They're like, well... You know, you're ruining your husband's career and blah, blah, blah. I think on one side, they possibly don't understand PR, especially PR in politics. There is no rule book. Mm. And it's almost like the opposite of what you think you should do. You should probably do the opposite because Mm. it's the opposite to what everyone thinks, I think. But you're absolutely right. I do always run everything past him because we are a team. And I'm not here to make his life more difficult. I'm here to point out to everyone who wants to listen, a lot of people don't, that he's a human. You know, and that politicians. Exactly. Which which is missing from politics. Now, I've got to say, we are apolitical as a chamber. I've agreed with you. I'm not going to ask you about politics. We're not here to talk about politics. So I'm not advocating one way or another. But you seem like a really good team. You seem like you're really tight. Yes. I think that's why it works because I'm not just trying to be one of these annoying wives that just wants to annoy my husband at work. Because we've always been a team and when he left the military and whilst he was in the military, although I was incredibly supportive of what he did, there wasn't an awful lot that I could do towards that apart from sort of keep the home fires blazing. So when he went into politics, especially because we knew nothing about politics, we wanted to do it together. We wanted it to be something that we could attack as a team and we've kept that. And I think that's why it works because... I am heavily involved in what he does. So we're striking that balance between showing the family side and showing the work side. And I think it has worked to an extent to make people realise that it's almost like I think historically you think, oh, an MP is some sort of glamorous lifestyle where you're in a different planet. And it really isn't. It is a job. It's a very distinctive type of job, but it is still a job. And we are still a normal family earning a wage, you know, to live our lives. So when you think, and I'm talking purely from the sort of family point of view, I want people to realise that, yeah, there isn't anything special about us or what we do. You know, that's not true. Representing is a very special thing. But as a family, if you look at the family side of it, Johnny's doing a job. I'm helping him do that job. And we're cracking on. And I think people, when they get very angry about politics, I think sometimes it's helpful to realise that everyone is huge. And that's sort of what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, and I think, as I say, I think that's missing. And it's funny, you used a word there, attack it. 
And the reason I laughed when you said that, I don't know if you saw, was because I remember when you ran his campaign in 2015. Yes. It seemed to me like a military campaign. And there was a Mercer invasion. I genuinely, his face was everywhere. I remember <laughs> saying to a friend of mine, who's this Mercer bloke? Because everywhere I bloody looked, there was a face or a name, you know, vote Johnny Mercer. So well done you. But you now work with, surely not for, with Johnny does that mean you can't get away from it, you can't have time off, or do you manage to switch between the work stuff and the home stuff? We are slightly guilty of always being that couple now that does talk about work because we work together. But we do have other interests together. You know, they may not be particularly glamorous interests, but we're more than happy to sit down and watch a whole season of Happy Valley together and actually take some time off, downtime, you know, or whether we go for a run together or take the girls for a long walk on one of our lovely beaches. We do switch off. But of course, when you work together, we go out for a meal and of course we ended up find ourselves talking about work. But anyway, because we're both in it together, we can enjoy that side of it together. Yeah, do people interrupt you? Can you have a meal or do people go, um, oh, there's Johnny there? No, they do interrupt, but we really like it. Because okay. I think because it's such a weird and wonderful job, the bonuses, there is a bad side to it. The lovely side is when people do come up because it makes Johnny feel like this is reminding him why he's doing why it. Why he's doing it. Exactly. Okay. If you'd known everything that had come with the job, would you have supported that? Would you have wanted him to be an MP? Yeah, because... <laughs> Obviously, with any job, you have good days and bad days. And there are quite a few bad days. And it is a battle. But I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. Obviously, I'm biased. I'm married to the man. But, you know, he is really great at it. And he's great with people. And people really love him. And that really makes me happy because they see him as him. They just like, oh, yeah, that Johnny's a great bloke. And I think when you can get to that stage in an arena of politics, then you're probably smashing it, which is great to see. And he loves it when people come up and say hi. I mean, this is a nice way. You're concentrating very much on the positive side because <laughs> you haven't mentioned that not everybody likes him or no. you or what no. you say or do. True. It's very true. Well, I'm a very positive person. I don't dwell on bad things. I don't think that's good for anyone's soul. And you can't win them all. You know, we didn't know a huge amount about politics when we came into this. We knew enough to know that obviously almost... 50% in a place like Plymouth of people are not going to have voted for you and may have very strong opinions against you. And that's the nature of the job. And it's funny because when you go out on the doors in real life and you knock on the door, more often than not, if someone doesn't vote Tory or sometimes people don't care about the colour, if they don't vote for Johnny, they'll just say, oh, no, I don't vote blue, or I don't vote for Johnny. And we'll be like, oh, OK, thank you. And that's it. It's completely lovely. It's, polite, it's yeah. polite. It's normal. There is no reason for it to be any other way. It's only really on social media where the hatred is really felt. Well, that's the cowardice of anonymity, isn't exactly. it? Where people can hide behind something. Exactly. That just drives me nuts. It's a huge debate to be had around that, especially when you think of the younger generation and the effect it has on children. Do the pros of social media outweigh the cons? Yeah, I'm not convinced, a- if I'm honest, even though obviously I like to use Twitter to our advantage to make light of the abuse, but not everyone can do that. Well, you do it very well. Thank I think you. the thing about Twitter is it is the best of the internet and the worst of the internet. Quite. You know, when you sometimes see something happened like the earthquake you see a wave of yes. support and love an outpouring of that but also people are vile yeah i mean utterly vile i very rarely comment on anything but on facebook when the rocket launch in cornwall went wrong oh, yes. uh, cornwall council had posted something about supporting it and i don't know her very well but i know melissa the spaceport head and i just wrote underneath you know well done melissa you know i'm sure we'll succeed great that you're doing inspiring things there vitriol underneath from what i'd said somebody said 
Oh, typical Tory mouthpiece following the government line. I'm thinking, what What's on that earth have to do with it? Has that to do with anything? I mean, firstly, <laughs> what makes him think I'm a Tory? Secondly, I'm nobody's mouthpiece. I'm independent. Thirdly, I was just putting a positive, supportive comment underneath people saying, you know, horrible things. And I thought, I wish I'd never bothered. Yeah, quite. And you think, how did we get here? How yeah, did how that did even we get happen? <laughs> you know, there's this saying, and haters are going to hate. It's people have to channel their anger. And I think social media is a way that people have channeled that anger. But I have a toddler and she is amazing, beautiful little girl. But she is the extreme of all emotions. Yeah. When she's happy, she is gorgeous. And you just want to spend every second with her. When she's upset because I haven't let her watch Cinderella or eat ice cream for breakfast, she is off the scale cross. And I feel like that's how people get on social media. When they love, they love, you know, there's no holds barred. But also when they hate, there's no holds barred. And it's like a toddler land. I think that's a very good analogy, actually. And I love that you laugh about it. The first one I saw, I can remember, was someone had put a photo of Johnny and Boris Johnson talking and added a speech bubble. I won't go into what they said, but you retweeted it and I thought your response was hysterical. I'll let people look it up. It's not the sort of thing I can talk about here. But your response, I thought, good. You didn't take it personally. You made a joke about it and I thought, great. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I try not to get too political on Twitter because the sort of people who follow me, I think I'd be very surprised. I think there may be more in the red camp than in the blue. It would be my guess. would be not necessarily so many blue. I don't really know. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't care. I um, follow you for a laugh. Exactly. I, I, I follow you because I think it's funny and you make me smile. To be honest, I think you do what I couldn't do. I would take it too personally. I used to think I'd like to get into politics. And my brother, who knows me better than anyone in the entire world, said to me, <laughs> you would be terrible at it. And I said, why? He said, because you take everything so personally. You'd be wounded would if, you somebody, like issue? if someone didn't vote for you. Well, I, yeah, I do. I just, you know, that's, that's me. I think you'd find an inner strength. I do, because I think when you have a cause to represent, you pull it out the bag. But it is very, very tough. This is the sad thing about it, Stuart, and I'd be the same as what your brother said to you, because a few years ago, if someone had said to me, oh, I'm thinking about going into politics, what do you think, Felicity? And I would say, absolutely, you've got to. We need good people from your background or from your line of work or whatever it is. Now, I could never recommend it to anybody. I'd say don't. No, it's funny. Which is awful. Isn't that awful? I can remember I asked Johnny about how he feels about when he has to sort of toe the party line because that's something I would struggle with. And he gave a very eloquent answer, as he he does, saying, you know, sometimes he has to, but that allows him influence in other areas. You know, and I get that argument. It's all tit for tat. I'm guessing this is where you struggle. When it gets to a certain point where even people in your own party of your own colour are doing things that just... Ah, you know, they go against your values and your integrity and everything you stand for. That must be difficult. And I think that's what you're referring to, the tweet about Liz Truss. Yes, exactly that. Because even though you can all be in the same party, you know, they say it should be a broad church and it is a broad church. The problem with that is, is that it does make it very difficult when people in your own side do something that you just fundamentally disagree with. I do not agree with bringing back the death penalty. I mean, Mm. I could never ever think that that was a good idea for us to play judge, juror and executioner. That's just one step too far for me. But there are people who think differently and I have to accept that. But it is hard, you know, when you're all going out there knocking on doors under the same umbrella. I mean, the system, when you actually dig down into that system, how does that really work? I mean, the system itself 
is all built on coercion. If you think about it, you know, you've got your whip's office telling you, right, you have to vote for this because this is what we want to put through. And if you don't vote for that, then you'll get kicked out. Or if you don't vote for that, you won't get what you want for Mm. your constituency. I mean, the whole system is not built on positivity. That is my problem. I think I would struggle with the system of it. I've got strong beliefs about stuff that Mm. I would love to think I could represent and I hope I would but I think I'd struggle with the system. The system is very hard for anybody. Any good person wants to go into politics and I think that's what gets confused. When people say, oh I liked this guy or I liked this girl and then they went into politics and then they changed. More often than not, it's not them changing. It's them having this awful realisation that they're now in a system that they have no control over. No, absolutely. And actually, they have to play a certain game and walk a certain line to actually achieve anything. It honestly it hits you like a sledgehammer, like, oh, wow, that's how this works. And it's the system. It's really hard. And it's hard. And this is why when you look at people and you think, oh, I used to think they were great. They haven't changed. They're probably still the great person you thought they were. But they're having to negotiate something that is completely beyond their control. Yeah. And I guess everybody has a point at which they either can align that with their values because of what they're getting out of it or they can't and I did a particular role for 17 years at the end of which I was treated particularly poorly by the organization and I remember thinking I no longer believe in this organization I don't believe in its values I don't believe in what it's standing for anymore and that for me was when I had to walk because one outweighed the other absolutely and if you're not feeling that you're doing the right thing for you or that you're even achieving anything that you set out to achieve in the first place then what's the point what's the point of making all these decisions it gets to that point and I I think a lot of people see it and I think when a general election comes around that's when you start to think okay take stock where are we are we achieving yeah and it's very difficult because obviously Johnny being on the front bench I would not choose for him to be on the front bench from a family point of view the work-life balance on the front bench is insane I mean your workload from just being a constituency MP probably goes up fourfold at least It becomes a huge, huge job, but a different job away from your constituency, which makes it very difficult Mm -hmm. to marry the two things up because your first loyalty, obviously, is to your constituents. But then, of course, they eat into all of that time. And I think when a general election comes around and you have to think, well, are we achieving what we set out to achieve? And I think that's why you've seen a lot of people already say, I'm not going to stand again. I think they've gotten to that balance that you were talking about, that it's no longer worth it for them. And it must be very frustrating as well where you see, in this case, your husband's chances. I'm going to be very careful. I don't want to be political, but affected by what is going on outside of his control. Absolutely. And his job will hinder on that as well, because we know anecdotally and we know from being around and we know from his previous elections, we know he's a popular chap here, which is great. But if the swing against his particular party is that big nationally then there's not an awful lot you can do to combat that and that's just part of the job and the thing is we love Plymouth and at the end of the day if Plymouth decide he's not the one for them that's it you accept it and you wish them all luck with whoever they've chosen next and you Mm. move on and his predecessor had to do it and eventually he'll have to do it and it's part of the job I just hope that at the end of it Johnny feels like he's been able to achieve some of his aims yeah and I think he'll always be able to say that because he's made such grounds yeah, especially around the veterans' work. Exactly. So, so. And I think for him, I could see that was the thing that you mentioned. If you have a particular campaign, something that you want to achieve, I can see why that would work. Absolutely. A cause in politics is very important because I think you need something to keep reminding you of why you're doing this, especially if you have a particularly tricky period where you might be getting a lot of problems or if there's been a tricky vote that had gone down the line and you suddenly get a lot of abuse. You have to have something to remind you, why are you doing this? 
Well, on the abuse side, I mean, you said it's all mostly online, but actually you were subject to a particularly nasty thing that arrived in the post. Mm, that was a which, weird one. And it arrived at your home address. Yeah, that was the bit that I found the most shocking because it arrived at home and it was addressed to me. So we're just going to pause because there's a bird flying around the studio. <laughs> Ooh. That's a bit odd. That's new. I promise I didn't bring my pet. The conversation will continue. But first, Chamber Chief's quickfire questions. Hello there and welcome to the Chamber Chief's quickfire questions section of the podcast where I meet an interesting member of the Chamber, someone who we just want to grill, put under the spotlight, interrogate, pull their fingernails out. No, we don't do the last bit, with some quickfire questions. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Sam Armondi from Thought Quarter. Hello, Sam. Oh, there you good are. afternoon. On How the are screen. You? Hi, yeah. I'm all good, thank you. Sam, Thought Quarter, what's that all about? We're a software development agency. We solve complex problems for ambitious businesses. Oh, you've practiced that before, haven't you? <laughs> that was too slick. I'm really thinking this interview is going to go quite well. You know, you've got all your answers ready. Just for the listeners, I don't tell people what I'm going to ask them, so this could be quite interesting. When did you found Thought Quarter? We started in 2014, 27th of Feb. It was just through lockdown that we revised ourselves into our current shape. Okay. I think a lot of people had to, didn't they? It says in your bio that you've worked in digital transformation. For thickies like me, what does that mean in English? Basically, it's taking traditional businesses and using technology as the thing that makes them tick and gives them the unfair advantage. So transitioning their operations to be tech-powered or tech-enabled. Okay, good. Fascinating stuff. Right, now to the serious bit. Are you ready for two minutes of quick-fire questions? I've prepared. I'm not sure I'm ready, but I will give it my best shot. I'm sure you'll be fine. And your two minutes starts now. Chamber Chief's quick-fire questions. What's your favourite quote? If you ask people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Henry Ford. Fantastic. Favourite country? Italy. Best part of the job? Meeting new people. Worst part of the job? Oh, meeting the wrong people. <laughs> Person you'd like to meet? I would love to meet Barack Obama. So oh, me listening. too. Oh, he's inspirational, isn't he? I love Barack He's Obama. just such a nice guy. For someone who's done that job for that length of time, he still looks remarkably fresh. He's incredible. Uh, any business in the world you wish you owned? Ooh, that's a tough one. Too late. Best yeah, thing about sorry. Devon. Best thing about Devon. Cream tea is the right way round. Oh, good answer. Uh, Zoom or Teams? Teams. Claim to fame? Ooh, I'm not sure. Oh, bad luck. Personal vice? You must have one. What's your personal vice? Red wine. Oh, well, I was going to say wine or beer, so you've got me there. Cat or dog? Cat. No. Wrong answer. <laughs> sorry, that's it. You're out of here. Beach or city? I live in Cornwall, so probably city. Oh, okay. So as in as in holiday? Yeah. Adventure or lounging by the pool? Adventure. Partner's birthday? Uh, 11th of December. Eye colour of your partner? She'll put me up to this. <laughs> Anniversary date? Ooh, 8th of October, the day before my birthday. Oh, you see, that's how you can remember it. Curry or pizza? Curry. Good. So I don't know why I'm buzzing. Absolutely brilliant answer. Sorry, that I don't know why I buzzed <laughs> that. Uh, best, best Bond, Craig or Connery? Oh, Craig. Uh, football or rugby? Football. No, no, no. Terrible answer. Uh, Inny or Outy? Inny. They've, they've all been Innies. Uh, suit and tie or jeans and t-shirt? Suit and tie. Oh, very smart. Yeah. That's it. Two minutes is up. Bish, hey! bash, bosh. 
Hey, you were too good. That was too slick, Sam. You're obviously Thank used you for to going easy on me. No, I don't think I did. What should I have asked? That wouldn't have been easy on you. <laughs> I was just scared that you'd pull my fingernails out. So I yeah, I wouldn't do that. Hey, Sam, look, thank you so much for joining us on the Chamber Chiefs Quickfire Questions. Great to hear about Thought Quarter. Thanks for being a member and fan of the Chamber. And we will catch up again soon. Sam on Monday. Thank you. Follow the Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce on Twitter at Chamber underscore Devon and search for us on LinkedIn. Make sure you don't miss out on future episodes. Hit subscribe now. In Conversation With, supported by Westcott's Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Now, back to the conversation. So I'm really sorry. If we sound a bit stilted, it's because we've just had a bird fly into the studio. (laughs) How very bizarre. There's been a bird wrangling session gone on with the guys here, and we've exited the bird. And so we'll now go back to talking to Felicity. And no birds were harmed in this process. No birds were harmed in the process. We'll go back to talking to Felicity. And we just were talking about the hideous thing that arrived in the post at your home address. Oh, yes. Uh, Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so it was a shock. Annoyingly, I was expecting a package, a work-related package. I think a book, actually, someone wanted Johnny to sign. But this thing was obviously a completely different shape. Never considered the fact that I would receive this particular package. So when I opened it up, and you know, I don't know, you say that sometimes you get a feeling about something. I did think, oh, actually, this is a bit odd. But of course, you know, I opened it and I'm standing in my kitchen and I look inside. And then obviously, as soon as I look inside and this thing was just in one of those sort of flat jiffy bags, I could smell something. But it takes a while for your brain to catch up with actually yeah, yeah. what you're well, looking at. you're not expecting at. it, are you? No. And of course, because it was a nappy, I mean, that's even and more strange. soiled yes. nappy. Yes. It just took me a while to work out what I was looking at. I looked up at Johnny and I said, I won't swear, which is rare for me. It's a nappy of poo, I said to my husband, because this was in lockdown. Oh, right. Um, so okay. he was at home. Either that or it was paternity leave. The two things get confused in my mind. But we were at home because I think we just had Audrey. So he grabbed this thing off me, took it, ran it straight outside and put it on the grass on our front mm-hmm. garden. Put it on the grass and then called the police, called the guys in Plymouth. And they were absolutely brilliant. And they came round and they checked on us and they took it away and they asked us questions. And they were really good about it. But it was such a shock that A, it was addressed to me. B, it had a very strange note that we could never really work out attached to it, like something about what your husband's been up to, which is quite funny because actually I was telling friends about it. And they're like, oh, isn't there a thing that you would send a nappy of poo to someone who'd been up to no good in terms of illegitimate children? Anyway, John and I burst out laughing because we thought, oh, they're barking up the wrong tree there. So the whole thing was bewildering why it was sent to me. It was sent to our home address. So someone had obviously got hold of our home address, which is obviously is not great in terms of the security risk. Although it's very hard to keep these things secret. And it was a real shock, actually, because I've never felt unsafe at home. I feel safe and Mm. we have quite a lot of safety measures in the house. But this is someone who could sort of lean into my home and make me open something unsavoury. It didn't feel nice. It really didn't feel nice. Did the kids know about it or were you able to keep it well, from Well, luckily, them? well, this is what really upset me. The children could easily have opened the post. I mean, imagine how awful that would have been for them. But actually, they must have been outside or they must have gone on a walk or I can't remember, but they weren't in the house at the time. Obviously, I explained it to them afterwards, mm. but I'm very glad that they weren't the ones that opened the package. Yeah, so that was a shock and that made me realise that Unfortunately, the real world can be unpleasant and you do have to be aware that these things can happen. But I don't live my life like that. I really don't because you wouldn't leave the house if you did. No, quite. 
It's vile, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely exactly. vile. Only I, as a straight guy, could be subject to a homophobic assault, which oh, was quite, that's impressive. really kind of threw me. And it was outside my house. And I think it was because the previous occupants were gay and whether they oh. assumed I was... But I remember it did upset me. But I remember afterwards thinking, you can't just live your life, no. you know, lock yourself up. There no. are some vile, horrible people out there, but... I mean, it it is vile. It's vile. And the thing is, everybody gets it. I mean, Luke, on the other side of the city, has had some horrendous things on his office. And I've talked to him about that. He was a guest on the podcast too. Well, unbelievably bad things. And so everyone gets it. And that is the sad thing. It's like, it's almost like it's normal. Yeah. Like, why is this normal now? Like, even the level of abuse on Twitter, it's now become the norm. And I just think it's so sad, isn't it? And in the interest of balance, I should say, I did interview him and perhaps I should interview his partner. Oh, We're Sydney, probably, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I don't know Sydney. I don't think I've ever met I, him. I have met Sydney. I met Sydney because Luke and I, for some reason, ended up judging a Jubilee street party cake bake. Nice. That was something. <laughs> That's a good gig to get. It, it was, but it's controversial. Bearing in mind, it wasn't my street, but it was the next street along. And I thought I could make some enemies here if I don't <laughs> vote for the right person. I'd have to draw the line with Johnny at cake tasting. I don't think he'd stop. Thankfully, my integrity can remain intact, but somebody did point out to me that one of the cakes was baked by a lady who sadly is terminally ill, and I was just so thrilled that it actually was the best cake and did win because I wouldn't have forgiven have myself. I didn't have to cheat. And look at my integrity. I think I'd have probably yes. cheated. Yeah. I think I oh, would. Oh, gosh, yes. You know, it was good fun. But yeah, so maybe I should. And I'm going to move away in a moment from Twitter and politics. But just before we do, I mean, first off, what's your Twitter handle, I think they call it? Oh, golly. I don't know. At... At Mercer Felicity, something I you'll find. I think it. it's Mercer Felicity. Yeah, yeah. well, if you, you can put look it in up. my stupidly long name, which I'd like to point out, if I knew I was going to be marrying a Tory MP eventually, I you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have double Wouldn't have done it. the Cornelius Mercer. Yeah. It does sound very posh. It's I'm so sorry. posh. It's yes. ridiculous. When I married him, he was a soldier, so I didn't know that. If you search my ridiculously long name on Twitter, there's not going to be many with. And in the interest of balance, other politicians, wives, partners, husbands, <laughs> boyfriends are available. <laughs> and you've been voted. I mean, this is incredible. I don't know, voted or listed as the. 25th most powerful political couple. Well, I'm a bit miffed about that. <laughs> I thought I'd be a bit higher up. I think he joked with Ed Balls the other day. We were higher than Ed and Yvette, which we were quite pleased about. Lower than Nicola Sturgeon. Some of them, I have to admit, some of them I didn't know who they were. Oh, a shocking. lot of them were sort of power couples who were sort of journalists and spads or special advisors, and they're not necessarily in the public eye. They're not the public ones, yes. but behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the wielding scenes Wielding the ones. power. Yeah, so I feel like I need to up my game a bit. Well, I shouldn't worry about it. I was working for a law firm. I was chair of St Luke's Hospice, and the Herald, then as it was, voted me. I think I was the 12th most influential person in Plymouth. Very good. And then I got the job as chief executive at the Chamber of Commerce, and I chair British Chambers of Commerce Southwest and I've joined various public boards and bodies and stuff. And I went down to 49. <laughs> what have uh, I done? Work doesn't pay then, does <laughs> no, it? No, <laughs> I, I haven't yet made the most eligible bachelors. But Harold, if you're listening, oh, you know, yes. I wing, should wing. definitely be in the top yeah, absolutely. 10. Absolutely, I'll put you forward. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Moving on from that to you, rather than your relationship, your marriage, your job, you qualified as a lifeguard, which I seems did. sort of come out of the blue. Is that because you've got a daughter who's a performance yes, swimmer? and I am pathetic at swimming. Sorry, correction. I was pathetic at swimming. I'm not going to do myself down. So it was when I tried to come up with these New Year's resolutions. Sometimes they're worthwhile, sometimes they're really not. Uh, anyway, we decided we're going to do a worthwhile one, and this must have been two years ago now. And Emily, my eldest daughter, who is on a performance swimming programme, don't know where she gets it from, not me, 
She said to me, Mummy, you do need to be less embarrassing at swimming. I was the proper... <laughs> You're the embarrassing mum. I am. I'm the old lady, heaven above the water, heaven forbid I get my hair, all my ears wet. Oh, you don't wear one of those caps with the No, I don't. On. But I think probably give me a few years and I no, would you have. You will have, yeah. So I was doing the old lady breaststroke and that was it. That was swimming for me. And she said, this is unacceptable. And she was absolutely right. And I said to her, but I feel like I need an end state. You know, I'll start training and I'll start swimming properly, but what's my goal? So we came up with the idea that I'd do my lifeguarding because I also spend so much time as a swim mum Everyone who's a swim mum, and there'll be lots because of Plymouth Sitting Leander. at the side of the pool. Yeah, absolutely. You spend, you oh, no, spend that's Tom Daly, but yes, good. Yeah. diving. Yeah. You spend so long at swimming pools, you think, oh, I should actually just do something useful. While I'm here. Exactly. Yeah. So I started in the January, January the 4th, off I went. My first session was actually with my daughter, which was very demoralising. Because she's such a good swimmer. She's such a good swimmer. But she was brilliant. She gave me loads of tips. So I started, and actually by April, I thought, hmm, I'm ready for this. I did mine actually at China Fleet in Saltash lovely club which is obviously a navy club member of the chamber just saying oh there you go yeah. good plug Name there check. thank yeah. you do i get paid for that uh, sally we don't get paid for that <laughs> let alone you <laughs> lovely club it's very good and i did the course there which was a sort of week's course very intensive and actually gosh the responsibility is huge when i got to the end of the course and of course i passed and i was super proud of myself i thought this is crazy i've just learned a life skill it would be insane not to use it so I ended up, yes, taking on two part-time jobs, either in the evening or at the weekend, doing my lifeguarding. And of course, that then means you have to train every month to stay current with your first mm. aid. But for me, it's very much, I didn't want to be the person anymore that didn't know what to do. Right. And it's not just around a pool. If, heaven forbid, Stuart, you were to have a heart attack now, I would spring into action. Well, at least I hope I would. Yeah, I um, whereas before, I don't know if I'd have the confidence. I'd have tried to be useful, obviously, yeah. but I wouldn't have had the confidence to think, right. So it includes the first aid part and the resuscitation. Absolutely. Funnily enough, I'm revalidating my first it's aid. It's such uh, a good thing to do. Thought, yeah, you've got to know. We, should, we really should all know how to do this. Yep. Even knowing that by grabbing a defib, you're giving someone the best possible chance. Yeah. So the first thing, you know, anyone should be thinking of looking out for is where are those defibrillators but you know this is the stuff that you know you're not born with this knowledge at some stage you need to learn it and I mm. think doing it in schools would be brilliant but I don't know if we have the resources but now I've done it I realise for the sake of a week of my life to know that I could give someone a little bit more of a chance is amazing Definitely. So, and now I've sold it to my daughter so as soon as she turns 16 she'll do the same thing the performance swimmer one yes. and is she going to be at the Olympics Plymouth next Tom Daly Oh, it's so competitive, Stuart. Yeah, it it yeah. really is. And of course, I mean, she's only 14. So, you know, mm. her body will still change. You mm. know, she still so hasn't got all happen. the muscle that she will have as an adult yet. So anything could happen. But, you know, the most important thing for me is that because I'm not a pushy parent at all. If anything, I like to convince my children that they don't need to go to school today and they need to stay with me. But yeah. that shouldn't really be recommending that. No. Johnny gets cross at me. I'm not a pushy parent. She just loves swimming. Oh, that's great. And for as long as she loves it. And you've got three girls. I have three daughters. So Johnny's a little bit outnumbered, isn't he? Oh, please. Do not feel sorry for that man. He surrounds himself with all his girls. He loves it. I'm sure he does. I'm just thinking, does he ever get to the bathroom? I mean, you know... Never. No. The only time he has any time off, and he does this an awful lot, is when he goes to mow the lawn. (laughs) 
Because no one can talk to him because it's too noisy. It's funny, you've reminded me. I worked with a guy who had a vintage Triumph stag. And it was immaculate. I mean, you could eat your dinner off the engine. And he sat there and polished it. And I asked him, you know, why? I mean, it's great. I love it. My dad had one when I was a kid. I always remember the Triumph stag. But he explained that he had, I think it was two or three daughters and a wife. And it's the only space he had was the garage to sit there and kind of breathe. And we do all need that. So, yes, Johnny mows the lawn a lot because no one can ask him any questions. (laughs) And you're doing something else. You want to learn British Sign Language. Where did that come from? So, again, me and Emily cooked this one up as well. Well, I love talking to people, you know, and I would happily spend hours just talking to people. That's, again, why I love doing what Johnny does, because I can get to go out and talk to people on on the doorstep. Where was I? I think I was at one of Johnny's dinners where he was doing a speech. And there was a lovely couple there and they were both deaf. And I was desperately trying to communicate with them. And I just felt like, oh, so frustrating. Just really wanted to be able to talk to them properly. And I felt like... I didn't have the tools, the resources to properly communicate with them. And I desperately wanted to. And I just didn't feel right. I thought, you know what? I can do something about this. So it is on my to-do list. Okay. Um, when are you going to fit this in? Are you one of these I've people no who are idea. Like yeah, yeah. Ta- you're going to keep yourself busy. Yeah, I, I, I bite off more than I can chew, and eventually I'm like, right, stop! Everyone has to stop. I need to just not do everything. But it's something that I've always wanted to do. I'm quite a gesticulator, anyway. You won't know because you're listening, aren't you? You're yeah, not podcast, watching. Podcast, audio yeah. podcast. It works well on an audio <laughs> podcast. I'll just say, listener, she's like a windmill. I am <laughs> flinging my hands around and everything. But yeah, I'd love to be able to. I look at the person on the telly that's doing the sign yeah. language. What a skill oh, that is. And they can keep up. And I just thought, oh, I look at them and think, I'm so jealous. I'd love to be able to do that and to be able to communicate in that way as well. It just floats my boat. I'd love to do it. Well, good luck. Thank we'll, you. We'll have you back and you can... Could you um, give me a couple of years? <laughs> yeah, you can do it all for our podcast, you know, sit on the sign. No, again, that doesn't work no, for the audio podcast, no. but for the visual But then it won't the matter start. if I make mistakes. So maybe yeah. I will start on podcast. <laughs> just want to touch on one little thing. Bear in mind that some, not all, but some of our... Our audience's business background. I read, did I not, that your family had a business and were in quite an exotic sort of start to your life? And you travel and I did. I was really lucky. So my lovely, wonderful father, who was, gosh, fourth generation. So my father was, or maybe he was third and I was fourth generation. I can't remember. Anyway, a family business importing children's toys that goes quite a long way back. Obviously, it's changed a lot. It used to be all from Germany, all the lovely wooden toys. Obviously, now it's all a lot more from China. And it was a great start in life because I decided, having been at a boarding school, I felt quite institutionalised enough that actually I made the decision that I wasn't going to go to university. And I wanted to just go out there and see some of the world and work. Mm. So my dad said, no, uh, it's not going to be that easy, young lady. She says, you're going to start at the bottom. So it actually started in the warehouse with the stock. He said, you start where everyone else starts, quite rightly. So I worked my way up and did everything, all the reception job and the admin job. And eventually I got up to buyer. Woohoo! So off I went out to the Far East. It was fantastic. I loved it. I still now I love the Far East. The smells of the Far East. Mm. I just love it. So I did a lot out there. I was very lucky. Hong Kong and China. And of course, I got to do a lot of it with my own father, Mm. which was fantastic. And we always put little treats on the horizon. So we used to make sure that we were in Hong Kong when the Hong Kong Rugby Sevens was on. Fantastic event. If anyone ever wants to go, it's just fantastic. Yeah, we had a great time. And my brothers run it now. My older brother and my younger brother. My sister's moved out to Australia. So 
she's a bit further away. But yeah, it was lovely. So we all got to work together and I learnt an awful lot. And by the time friends of mine were leaving university, I'd already had four years of work. So for me, it was the right thing to do. It wouldn't be for everyone. But then I wasn't training to be a doctor or I didn't know what I really wanted. But of course, then with a family business, there's an expectation. Are you going to carry on? Will you take it on? Mm. And I had this conversation with my dad, who's one of my favourite people in the world. And in fact, quite a few people on the doors in Plymouth will have met my lovely dad. And I decided that actually I wanted to try other things as well. Mm. So I went and ended up working for an airline in airline logistics, which again, I thoroughly enjoyed. I got to boss men around, which was great. (laughs) I've got a voice for that. Have you? Yeah. Are you a sort of ardent feminist? Are you kind of... No, I'm actually not. Well, it's funny because the debate seems to have changed quite a lot. And mm. I don't want to get onto too much sticky ground. I believe in equality. Yeah. I'm not an avid feminist that's anti-male in any way. But I do obviously think that in terms of, you know, the working environment and childcare share. And I think men and women make great teams. You know, I think we have different skill sets. I think we make brilliant teams. And I think that we should all have equal opportunities into going back to work or not going back to work. And we've got a long way to go. I think our society isn't ever going to be that it's ever completely equal, especially when it comes to childcare. But I'm not anti-male. I'm one of these people that if you were to say to me, you're going to go for this job interview, but we've taken all the males out. It's a female only shortlist. I'd be like, Why? Mm. I'm okay going up against men. I'm okay with that. You want to win it on merit. Absolutely. Not because of yeah, your not, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be treated like, well, <clears throat> so you're not you, in you the quota possibly, yeah, go up against a male. I'm thinking, well, I think I could. It's I very insulting to assume you can't. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, I don't really understand. And maybe someone can enlighten me of the merit of an all women shortlist. It is for quotas, I suppose, because I think politics falls into this historically. Things that have been male heavy and we haven't got up to speed in terms of the amount of females in there, then maybe there's a place for women's shortlist. But mm. I think a lot of the time it should be the best person for the job. I'm not sure whether the male or female thing is relevant. But I think it's, it's making tricky... sure they've got that quality of opportunity, yes, isn't it? And, exactly. and on the way up. So we exactly. desperately try to be completely balanced with our membership, with our board elections. Yeah, absolutely. But they didn't have many women stand for board elections. I can't force them. I ask no, them and quite. I say, please do. And I yeah. give them all the information. I think they'd add great value but ultimately i can't force it no but i want to make sure the opportunity is there quite and i think we're on a journey still a long way to go but absolutely i I think as a man what else can you do because i think a lot of the issues come from maybe more from a family side of things from a childcare point of view i mean the cost of early years childcare is phenomenal that makes things incredibly hard when you want to go back to work yeah and of course there's always that slight guilt because you want to stay with your children but you also want to be back in the adult world as well and it is very difficult we do have to just make it as easy and as plain sailing as possible for women to take on the same opportunities as men but often you'll find that women are also juggling a lot of other things in the background you know the children and the house especially for things like you know people to sit on your board it could be that they're just juggling too many and that's just one thing too far and I found that because I've taken on school governorships or trustees of charities which I've loved doing but sometimes it's just that one thing too many um, which is life isn't it yeah definitely and it's about that equality of opportunity, but also making adjustments, isn't it? I don't think we should all change everything to have quotas, like you say, but just looking at things like the times of your meetings. Absolutely. Do they fit alongside childcare? Exactly. Stuff like that. That's um, it. But that's also a thing for men as well, because men, they don't want to get home when their children are in bed. Yeah. Men want to be able to read the bedtime story or do the bath time as well. So I think we've all changed, I think, when mm. it comes to that. You know, we're not Mr. and Mrs. Banks anymore. Although she was a suffragette, so that was a terrible example. <laughs> 
sorry. I love Mary Poppins, sorry. But yeah, I think we've all changed. And I think, you know, men's roles have changed. You know, the hands-on dad is the norm, isn't it, now? Yeah, so, well, you know, it you, should be. Absolutely. Uh, it certainly should be. I think it's difficult because I've been in rooms where, as a man, I feel uncomfortable, actually. Because, oh, really? That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially there's a lot of, quite rightly, quite rightly, I'm not in any way saying this isn't right, but a lot of discussion about violence against women and girls, yeah. a lot of debate around that, and I'm thankfully in my position I get to help and be part of that debate. But a couple of times I've thought I have perhaps a different view to one that is being expressed in the room, but I can't say it. Yeah. It's, it's not appropriate because I am a white middle-aged man. That's it. And I'm not feeling sorry for myself. No, Lucky no, no. me, I have so many other privileges. No, I know what you're trying. I know that come exactly with it, what but there mean. are certain conversations yes. that are difficult to be in. Absolutely. And I think also as a society, do we then take things too far? And we go too far the other way and we tip over to other types of prejudice. And it's yeah. a minefield. I always think these things are like a pendulum. They swing, yeah. but the pendulum slowly Cons- finds its centre. It's the yeah. same with the working from home thing. You know, where pandemic forced quite rightly changed to allow people to work from home. What a brilliant thing that does. It woke us up to the fact you don't actually have to spend all day every day in an office. Brilliant. But then it got to the stage where so many people are home, you can't do anything productive, no. creative, collaborative face-to-face and we're social human beings that's what we're designed to do and it's kind of swinging back and it'll find its middle ground and also for people's mental health and how long do you want to actually do your job completely isolated oh yeah um at first of course it was brilliant oh we don't have to travel to work you don't have to sit in traffic you know we've got all this technology and we can all do it but then you're like oh but i haven't really seen my colleagues and it's all those little things and this is especially prevalent in our office when we do casework It's all those things where you think you lean over to your colleague and go, oh, did you do something with Mr. So-and-so about this in this road on this time? And it's all those little conversations and all the things that are happening around you that because you haven't got that anymore, actually things do get missed. And it isn't quite as joined up as it is. So I think now we've gone back to that nice balance where, okay, a couple of days at home is great, but then we all want to be back in the office for a few days as well. Because it depends on people and their circumstances. When lockdown happened, I hated it because I just got divorced I'd had to sell the marital home I was living in my late uncle's home surrounded by his things a dead person's things to be honest just me and the dog I hated it so I think it all depends on personal situation I know people who'd quite happily work from home never speak to a soul all their lives because that's their type of (laughs) person it sort of validated them yeah that's what they want to do that's your sort of introverted (laughs) nature but as you can tell I don't mind talking it it was yeah well I'm I'm the same as you and for me it was a double-edged sword because on one hand I was pregnant so I got the joy of having Johnny and the girls at home with me which was brilliant but on the other hand I had all the anxiety around oh can I talk to the neighbour or you know we're going to kill each other there was all that anxiety around it I think for everyone there was a pro and a con the girls just remember the paddling pool in the garden they thought it was great and speaking of girls just to sort as we come to a close what do you want for them going forward so we've talked about equality we've talked about life we've talked about politics what do you want for them well, the first thing that always springs to mind, I think probably for any parent, I want my girls to be happy. I want them to have long and happy lives. What I'd really like for them, because they love the West Country, the fact that they've grown up here, they feel so privileged to have grown up in such a beautiful place. I would love for them to be able to get the jobs and the careers that they want 
to keep them here if that's what they want because that's what they want now obviously that could change my eldest is thinking police i could talk her out of that but yeah go on <laughs> don't do it she's very excited but again she's actually thinking the fact oh mummy Devon cornwall police i could stay here she was thinking military but then does she want to be deployed and all those questions came mm. up and then she was like oh but maybe if i did the police and Devon cornwall police i could stay down here so i would love for my girls to stay in this beautiful part of the world because they're so fond of it down here and they just love it i would love for a lot of the toxic problems that we're having now in society. Again, I won't touch on any in particular because it gets very difficult. But I'm just hoping that the questions that we need to answer now, we get it right yeah. for our kids. Because yeah. I think there's a lot of them coming down the line. And we can't see the wood for the trees and we're all caught up in it. And we're losing our compromise. And I think a lot of the time we're losing our humanity over these things. And I would love for all of that to be sorted out so that my children don't take on, they have to take on that mantle. Mm. Yeah, just I want them to be happy. Yeah. yeah. I'm and, one of those kind of parents, just be happy. I'm glad you've mentioned the region and that you love the West Country. I won't give you a hard time that you actually live just over the border in Cornwall, where we are Devon Chamber of Commerce. But Although know, I do eat my scones. Yeah, like I, exactly, because my mum was from Devon, you see. Oh, it's funny. So there was no question as to the cream jam thing. There was I never went on an event where we had Cornwall Chamber there, Devon Chamber there, awkward. and there was a cream tea. Oh, it's so And awkward. there was this moment where we looked at each other, so I sliced mine in half, my scone, and <laughs> half I did and, half Devon and half but Cornwall. But you know, I feel so strongly about it. I just did not actually think I could do that. People, you, you put the cream on top. Yeah, so it's jam, then cream. Yes. But That's the only way. I think what's really funny about this whole debate is that there are people in parts of the country that genuinely don't understand why we have strong opinions about it, which it's, I think is hilarious. It's a bit of fun, though, isn't it? At the end of the event, I did say, do you know what? It matters not if you're jam first or cream first. It matters you have a West Country cream tea. Absolutely, and, and you stuff your face. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm really sorry, but we're running out of time. So I just wanted to wrap up. Look. Thank you so much for giving up of your time because I appreciate it and being so candid about stuff. Pleasure. You know, everything that's gone on in your life. It's great to speak to someone who keeps such a happy disposition when you have to put up with some of the things you've had to put up with. Thanks. But it's been a complete delight. Thank you for joining us, Felicity Cornelius Mercer. Thank you and thanks for having me. In Conversation With is supported by Westcott's Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Supporting charity and not-for-profit organisations of all sizes across the Southwest. Westcots, we're here. Produced by Fresh Air Studios. Full audio production services for business podcasts and corporate communications. Visit freshairstudios.com. Presented by Stuart Elford. Produced and engineered by Paul Philpot. Edited and mixed by Martin Burgess Moon. Production support by Lisa Hartwell. Video content by Mark Stevenson. Copyright Devon and Plymouth Chamber of Commerce and Fresh Air Studios Limited. All rights reserved.